0: The Western Mass Business Show with Tara Brewster, WHMP.
1: Welcome to the Western Mass Business Show. I'm Tara Brewster. And luckily, I am here today with three nodding, smiling people who must be in agreement with that opening right there. Um, I am here with Tina Champagne, who is the CEO of Cutchins Programs for Families and Children. Hi, Tina. Hey Tara. (laughs) Good to be here. Nice to Mm -hmm. see you. And then we also have the co chairs of the board of directors of Cutchins, which I love so much. I love this job sharing mentality that has been come out of COVID but kind of tagged applying. Yeah. Like (laughs) You guys need wrestling outfits or something at the next board meeting. WWF, I think it's a really good idea, and I can see both of you doing it, so start planning. I want the green suit. Oh, you know what? Actually, Dancing with the Stars, 2023, wrestling.
2: Wrestling. How about um, judo?
1: (laughs) Well, all right, so Jim Nash, so many people know you. I'll start with you first. Mm -hmm. Ward 3 City Councilor and Co-Chair of the Board of Cutchins, how are you?
0: I'm good and happy to be here today.
1: Good. I'm glad you're here too. And then Paul Foster Moore, who is also the co-chair of the Cutchins board. How you doing? I'm doing
2: great. Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, no problem. And do you have a, a profession that you are also a part of that you would like to talk about or are you retired? What's what's well, your I'm, work history? Well, I'm pretty right
2: much now? retired. I've been a psychotherapist and clinical social worker for 44 years, and I have a small private practice in downtown Florence, a bustling metropolis.
3: Did you go to Florence Night Out? No. <laughs> <laughs> and he was a clinician at Cutchins way back when. when first 1980
2: to 1984 with the wee ones in Harland House.
1: Mm-hmm. So there's Harland House.
2: And uh, King, King House. House.
1: And
3: Shannon House. <laughs> and Shannon yeah, three different residential houses that are situated on Pomeroy Terrace. That's one of our programs called the Northampton Center for Children and Family Residential F- Services for Kids Ages 6 to 18. And our referrals all come from the Department of Mental Health, the Western Mass Division.
1: And that's really the the place that a lot of people in Northampton and the greater Northampton area recognize
3: to be Cutchins programs, right? That mm-hmm. and the school, because the school is also located on that same street and on our campus and so our schools, the name of our school is the New Direction School, and it's a special education school. Um, So it's small, it's only we go up to 30 children. Um, And that uh, is basically ages eight, all the way through high school.
1: And so there's four buildings on the campus,
2: there's the carriage house as well, which is a school for the wee ones.
1: I Mm -hmm, call mm -hmm. And that's where you were? Yes.
3: So there's six buildings altogether, including the administrative building on the Pomeroy Terrace location. And then we have a um, clinic called outpatient clinic called the Children's Clinic, which is located... Um, down on Brewster Court in Northampton. The best and street ever. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Close to here. Close to here. <laughs> on the other side of the parking garage. Maybe one day we'll oh, get us There's the name she was... Renamed requiring. Tara Brewster Court. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. And then we also have a program located in Springfield. Um, it's called Three Rivers, but it's basically a clinically intensive residential treatment program that is actually an acute care site. It's the only one in the state and it's for kids ages six to 12. And again, it's for kids with the most intensive needs uh, in the state. We also have community-based services in addition to the outpatient clinic and they're called flexible support services where we have teams that go out into the community and work with the families and the kiddos um, and try to help, help them at that level so that hopefully you don't have to go up into higher levels of care, such as residential programs and alternative schools and so forth.
1: And so you just said the only one in the state. And so when you say Mm -hmm. someone says that it's the only one in the state, it's like, oh my God, how is that possible? Mm -hmm. You know, how did you get that accreditation? Do we need more than one in the state? You know, why are you the only one in the state? Mm -hmm.
3: Um, So could you talk a little bit about three rivers? Sure. Well, the hope is the hope and the goal has been to of DMH, the Department of Mental Health, to create more community-based services to help to try to target people's needs before they need higher levels of care. Um and then therefore th- the hope is that there's a need for less and less of that higher level of care. Um there used to be more than one. Um most recently it's just this one, um, and they are weighing whether or not you know it's something that they're going to need more of because it's really hard to send a child from you know the other side of the state to a program out here in Western Mass when their whole community base of support is somewhere else. That's a far drive, and so you know <clears throat> there is thought around that. But at this moment, we are the only one, and we will be moving um, hopefully this spring to a different location. We're going to be moving the program to a brand new um, setting that we're in the process of constructing in Belchertown. So at that point, all of our show, our services will be located in Hampshire County.
1: And we'll talk a little bit more about the Belchertown property later in the conversation, but it is a very, very beautiful property. I will say that for sure. Very lucky. Um, so Paul, Yes. <laughs> Since I think you might be prepared to answer this question. Um, can you tell us what the mission statement of Cutchins programs it, is? Paul,
2: well, because I haven't memorized it, <laughs> I'll, I'll just read it. Uh, children hold our future. Our mission is to help children and families transform significant emotional distress into increased resilience, hope, and quality of life to support the healing and learning process with innovation and integrity and to serve as a model for best and promising practices.
1: And did the current board come up with that mission statement or who 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 do you think came up with that mission statement? Who founded Cutchins? Well, we talk th- little th- bit those are a about couple different history? questions,
3: so <laughs> Well, we'll, <it's>, so,
0: we'll... <laughs> so the mission statement um we developed it this was probably in the la- you know sometime in the last decade probably about eight, nine years ago, we did a review and um, it was actually much longer and much more involved, lots of other things. And we've narrowed it down over the years to this uh, essential few sentences. And we use it to open our board meetings and any of our events and that i that i it's i find it frames whatever work we're or celebration that we're about to undertake following it it just frames why we're doing this and the importance of the work that we do and one of the things that i really appreciate in our in our mission statement is the the emphasis on innovation that um, that cutchins we weren't we have four different programs but we are not necessarily large in, in the way we do things, where we're small, we're nimble, and that, um, and that, that all of our, our programs are very community-based. That, in, you know, if you would... if you, I'm sure many people have driven past our programs over on Pomeroy Terrace and not <laughs> realized that program is there. The same with uh, the Three Rivers program down in, in Springfield. Driving by there and thinking, Oh, there's a hospital level of care, not at all. And um, you know, as one of the the board members who gets the opportunity to tour that facility, it, it's remarkable. You go in there, and it's it's a big home for kids. And yes, there's this intensive level of care going on, but it doesn't feel like a hospital. It feels like a big house for kids, and that um, and that for you know all of our programs that that relationship that connection to community is is built into everything we do because it's it's one thing to provide the service the the therapeutic supports but it's got to transition back to being at home and being with friends and neighbors
1: and so, do you think that was something that was started with this current board or with Teeners' leadership, or was it already? It's, established? I would say that's
0: always been part of the, the Cutchins' mission. I, I think what Paul will tell you, because he was around back in the, the back in those days, it was a, a bit of the Wild West, and but it, it was to be innovative and to uh, and to have a fresh way of working with kids. And, and, and Paul could speak to that.
2: Yeah, I'll give you some examples here. Um, when I was a therapist for the, the latency age children, the young children, um, <clears throat> we um, I had a caseload, first of all, of six children. And I saw them two or three times a week in individual therapy, a lot of play therapy. Um, and I saw the families once or twice a week in family therapy. Contrast that with other jobs I've had where I've seen 35 patients a week. And it's just a blur. This was really handcrafted treatment for a a pretty traumatized group of children. And uh, basically, we got to not only work with the kids, but I would consult to the staff and we would have um, weekly um, case conferences where we we would coordinate our care for 24-7. And it was a, it's a wonderful thing. I got to teach the staff. They got to describe the children in more detail to me in a way that I wouldn't have seen in an isolated office setting. And I got to work with the, the parents as well. Um, so that was, to me, um, the most formative clinical experience of my professional life. And so to come back 30 years plus later, it's really kind of um, a capstone for me and a lot of fun.
1: Well, I think that's pretty amazing to just listen to that, thinking about how many kids people see in individual therapists and how people are really booked um, and being pushed to take on more and do more. And um, I think that's really nice. And I would love to hear about how it is now with, you know, patient staff ratios and what's going on um, on the day to day with the therapists and beyond. But we need to take a quick break. We're already there. goes fast, I told you, promise. (laughs) Um, Thank you for listening to the Western Mass Business Show. I'm Tara Brewster, and I'm joined today with Tina Champagne, who is the CEO of Cutchins Programs for Families and Children, Jim Nash, who is a Ward 3 City Councilor for the City of Northampton, and also a co-chair of the Board of Directors of Cutchins, along with Paul Foster Moore, who has been in private practice for a very long time and is also the other co-chair. We'll be right back.
0: The Western Mass Business Show with Tara Brewster, WHMP.
1: Welcome back to the Western Mass Business Show. I'm Tara Brewster, and I'm joined today by some really wonderful people that I know and get to see quite often as a board member of The Cutchins Programs for Families and Children Board of Directors, Tina just said you have to say the whole thing, so I might not. I might slip into um, Cutchins Programs, but I will try to say the entire thing um, once in a while, so you all get it. Um, But we were talking about Cutchins and how it came to be, um, and Carl Cutchins, DMH, right? What was what came first? Who, who launched it first? Carl, well, DMH? Uh, let's,
2: let's start with the origin story.
1: Yes, please.
2: Massachusetts had a uh, wide array of uh, inpatient mental health hospitals. And as far back as 1955, a Joint Commission on Mental Illness recommended closing mental health hospitals and replacing them with community-based services. And that was in part because of a whole host of new psychiatric medications that seemed to help schizophrenics and folks with bipolar disorders, um, as well as major affective disorders like depression. Um, And it was paid for um, uh, with federal funds for about four to five years. And then uh, mental health advocates in Massachusetts successfully sued the Department of Mental Health in what's uh, come to be known as the consent decree. Um, It was a lawsuit filed on behalf of a David Brewster and others close to Massachusetts hospitals um, that um, basically said you have to have community-based services. Um, And at that point, uh, a person by the name of Mary Jackson, who was a a child advocate and visionary for community-based children's services, uh, got together um, with Carl Cutchins and created what's called the Massachusetts Comprehensive uh, Children's Center, and that was born in 1975. Um, and then uh, NCCF, the Northampton Center for Children and Families, was born in 1979, and um, I actually had the chance to work with Carl Cutchins um, at that uh, in the 80s, um, and he was an amazing person, I have to say. Um, and we eventually just kept building the programs and building them, <clears throat> and. The children's clinic was added in 1985, which was like a year after I left, so I never experienced that directly. Um, and Three Rivers was created in 1993, but um, it took a while for it to gel. And um, when Rob Tarendon, a senior staff person at NCCF, um, took over Three Rivers, it really congealed as a, um, a really high-functioning unit. Um, so, at this point, I would say, why don't you, Tina, talk a little bit about the um, the Children's Clinic um, and uh, additions that have come to the program since uh, sure. then.
3: So, the Children's Clinic, um, as Paul was talking about, um, it initially started as one office that was operating out of um, the administ- what we call the administrative building on Pomeroy Terrace. And um, it was headed off by Cynthia Monahan, who's someone who's very well known in the therapeutic world for working with children with pretty severe trauma and attachment challenges um, across the valley. And um, she worked with Carl Cutchins, and together they continued to grow the services to a point where they needed to move the clinic out of the Pomeroy Terrace location because of the demand in the growth, and they moved it over to Brewster Court. Um, that program is now um, run by Amanda Harrison, who is our Senior Director of Community Services. And um, that is because we continue to grow our community-based services. As I said, that's one of the um, <clears throat> visions for the Department of Mental Health and certainly for us as well, is to try to get the services in the community where they can be accessed at that level before things get more and more intensive over time. And so Amanda now, again, runs the children's clinic. And then <clears throat> we also have three flexible support services teams that Amanda also helps to uh, oversee, And uh, those services are where there's teams that have a certain assignment of, you know, X amount of children. Each team is a little bit different and they service different age ranges and they work with the children and families in that way as much within the community as possible. So that's the way the children's clinic and community-based services has grown. Years ago, there was also a program called um, IFIT for short, and it was an in-home therapy um, bridge program where um, as a child was getting ready to Um, discharge from the Northampton Center for Children and Families residential program in Northampton, there would be a small team of therapists that would work with them in that transition. But now the flexible support services team does that job. Um, And also DMH has a whole other program called intensive home-based therapeutic services. And so that is a whole other program that helps with the similar um, goals that the flex teams do, but they have a bit more, they have psychiatric consultation and ot occupational therapy consultation and other sorts of services as well woven um, into to that level of care. So there's been a lot of emphasis put on community per- based services by the Department of Mental Health, and therefore, you know our our agency holds some of those service contracts.
2: Can I tell you why that is so important? Jump back to like 1982 when I was working with a little guy called, let's call him Tony. And uh, in the first year I worked with him, his father um, kept coming to family therapy. His mother had abandoned him. Then his father abandoned him. And Tony was slated to move into a foster family in Pittsfield. He had two visits with them and no matter what i could do i couldn't really help him integrate and he, i just drove him to pittsfield and dropped him off with his family with his stuff and then left and that's how tony re-entered the community so what you're describing is so much further along mm-hmm. in terms of compassion right. and skill
3: and helps with with that transition to help to make it more successful and <sighs> gives a wraparound service to help to support the family and the youth. That's why we call it Children and Families. And um, just to clarify the other piece of the agency's evolution, um, there was a period of time when folks were really branding their organizations. And um, we actually lost Carl Cutchins. Um, He had passed away. And so there was a decision made at the time to um, refer to our agency as Cutchins Programs for Children and Families, and then each of the programs under the umbrella goes by its own name. And so Northampton Center for Children and Families, or NCCF for short, is how we refer to the three residential houses that are still based on the Northampton campus. Again, the New Direction School, that's our school. Three Rivers is in North, is in Springfield for now. Um, and then the Children's Clinic and the Flex teams. And so how are how are...
1: Children and families finding Cutchins programs. Are you getting referrals from private practitioners? Are they searching you on your website? How does that happen?
3: All of the above. So for um, the residential programs in the for the residential programs and the Flex Team services, those referrals have to go through the Department of Mental Health, and so that's how they come to us. For the outpatient clinic. Um, that comes from any host of um, sources. So yes, we do get inquiry through our website, um, and then also doctors' offices, schools, you know, other local outpatient programs. There's such a demand right now for outpatient services, um, especially since COVID. Actually, um, that everybody has wait lists, and so referrals come from a number of different sources for the outpatient clinic. And then for the school, our referrals come from school districts. So the school districts work with the parents and the clinicians at the schools to determine if a child needs an alternative placement. And if they do, then the district reaches out to us to ask, you know, um, to explore that possibility.
1: And so how are your levels? You know, you just mentioned that everyone else is having, you know, Crisis with their their numbers and everybody's full. so
3: can can people get into your programs? Um, it's hard. It's not only the demand for the service but also everybody's experiencing in every organization, every mental health organization as well um, turnover of staff and difficulty with keeping programs staffed and so you know in some of these programs you can't have more youth than you can um, safely provide services to so that's been a barrier but you know over time we're continuously trying to build up our staff um, like all the other mental health programs around us and schools and so um, things are moving forward in that way but it's still a challenge so it's there's a lot of different variables now that are impacting the ability to provide the amounts of services that we would hope to provide. Well, I hear that
1: um, people are finally coming back to near pre-COVID levels of working. So hopefully that trend continues, mm-hmm. um, especially for you at Cutchins
3: yeah. Programs for we have, Children and we Families. We have varied open positions. So anyone interested in a position at our agency, I encourage them to check us out. Um, all of our job postings are listed on Indeed, and it's under
1: Cutchins Programs for Children and Families. Yes, great.
0: All right. I, I want to add one thing that the so all of our programs um, have different levels of access. So, um, and and I want to emphasize that the children's clinic is it's that people can just apply for it, and you know many people in the valley are are, are served by that. Mm-hmm. Uh, both uh, parents and kids can receive services over there. So um, while some are more restricted in the way. People are referred. Um, that that's much more wide open to anybody. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to make sure people knew that.
1: Yeah, thank you. And then the the way that pay happens is through health insurance and for the outpatient clinic. Yes, health insurance. Great. Okay. Well, we're here at round two, so we need to take another quick break. You've been listening to the Western Mass Business Show. I'm Tara Brewster, and I'm here today with Tina Champagne, who is the CEO of Cutchins Programs for Children and Families, Jim Nash, who is not only the Ward 3 city councilor, but also the city council president in Northampton.
0: And on the Cutchins Board of Directors. Well, you know, <laughs>
1: co-chair, yes, for sure. You want me to keep going down your laundry list of <laughs> no, things? That, no, I, uh, And then Paul Foster Moore, last but not least, um, very important to um, the success of Cutchins programs. And you are also the co-chair of the board of directors and past employee. We'll be right back.
0: The Western Mass Business Show with Tara Brewster, WHMB.
1: Welcome back to the Western Mass Business Show. I'm Tara Brewster, and I'm here today with my friends from Cutchins Programs for Children and Families, Tina, Paul, and Jim. And the magic always happens off. It happens on, but it also happens off. And you just all missed a great conversation about weighted blankets, which I'm going to bring back (laughs) right now for everyone else. Um, Tina... Many people don't know that you are a world-renowned expert, almost a doctor, as the lovely Jim Nash just said. Um, You travel the world and talk about um, OTPT, integrative therapies, I mean, all these words that were just flying around this room. I was like, what? What?" Um, So could you tell us a little bit about what you do, um, your background, um, how you consult for not just this agency, but other ones, and maybe a little story
3: about a weighted blanket? (laughs) Sure. Um, so as we spoke earlier, I'm the CEO for Cutchins Programs for Children and Families, and that is my main job. And um, <clears throat> prior to coming to Cutchins back actually um, in the late 90s, um, I was working at uh, in the Berkshires, Berkshire Medical Center, and um, someone close to me had a first psychotic break, and it gave me this huge aha moment that there was just so much more that we can do. Um, I'm an occupational therapist by trade. I got my master's degree at Springfield College and my doctorate through (coughs) Boston University. And um, so my main field of study became looking at trying to find more nurturing and healing options for people as an OT. um, I couldn't use things like medications. It's not in my domain of practice. And so I look at the physical environment. I look at other kinds of holistic interventions that can be utilized with our client population. And so that's sort of what sent me down this path. And within occupational therapy, there's this whole area of study called sensory integration. And sensory integration is basically a neurophysiological process that happens for all of us. So nothing happens if we don't take in sensation in from the world, from inside of our bodies and how all that information comes together. It's sensory-based information um, to help us to make meaning in our lives, to be able to communicate, so on and so forth. And if you don't have problems with sensory integration, you never think about it because it's an integrative process. Um, But if you have problems with sensory integration, which most people with trauma histories and or... Um, mental health challenges have some sort of difficulty with sensory integration. And actually, you don't even have to have problems with sensory integration to benefit from some of the strategies, even from Mm -hmm. like a stress management or anxiety management sort of perspective, for example. So it's a huge, huge field of study. And um, I was very blessed to have had this personal experience that helped me to really focus heavily on it. And so Um, As you can imagine, there's all kinds of different holistic strategies and interventions. And when we talk about innovation, it's bringing these interventions within a field of study that quite frankly, in the past, has had a lot of punitive ways to work with people, um, in addition to holistic things, too. But um, we've come a long way um, than we've been, you know, in the past 20 or 30 years with how we work with people with mental health challenges, especially when they're in an acute crisis state. Um, It used to be that there was medications people were given at will or against their will, and that was pretty much, you know, um, the large part of what they had access to in addition to hospital-based services, etc. So, um, long story short, um, I started to do as much as I could to work with the clients I was working with, as well as looking deeper and deeper into the area of sensory integration and would work with within whatever setting I was at at the time, because um, I also worked at Cooley Dickinson Hospital during this time, to bring in different sorts of strategies that were safe enough to bring into a hospital level of care with people in an acute crisis state. But um, a little a little outside of the box. And so I wasn't very popular at first with a lot of people because they were afraid, you know, they didn't understand, okay, something like a weighted blanket, for example, like, couldn't this be used in a har- harmful way also. And so, you know, I had to give give credit to that line of thinking and together the staff and I and some clients that were able to would would explore these different kinds of options and questions. So things like clinical aromatherapy, as well as different kind of movement therapies and a whole host and range of different options we would bring in and, and utilize um, <clears throat> with, with our client population. And so over time, this work took a life of its own. And in one of the local hospitals, I won't say which one, <clears throat> they were actually at a really high rate of restraint utilization. And with the addition of these strategies within a year, they went from three standard deviations above the state mean for the use of seclusion and restraint to three standard deviations below the state mean. At this time, this is back in like 2003 when the entire trauma, trauma-informed care initiative was being rolled out um, across the country in addition to their restraint reduction Um Uh, initiative as well. And so the Department of Mental Health had heard of my work and asked me to join a national level organization called the National Association for State Mental Health Program Directors to start to do some training across the country as well as within the state. And so um, DMH really... um, really happily adopted this method, which I call the sensory modulation program to help use these different strategies to shift and change the way we feel. Um, And over time, you know, more and more was out there about how you can literally help to change how um, your brain shapes itself through not only our traumatic experiences, but through these nurturing and healing sorts of holistic interventions as well, in addition to things like medication, et cetera. And so finding what works for the individual on a really individualized basis is critical. Um, and so this work took on a life of its own. The initiative went not only national but international and from there, uh, a private consultation business grew for myself as well. And so now, in addition to my work at Cutchins, and even before I came to Cutchins, I also have this consultation business. So this work has been applied across all different levels of care, all different age ranges, um, everything from forensic centers to um, you know, outpatient clinics to inpatient um, psychiatry Um, Across Cutchins programs, we work hard to try to continuously increase um, our integration of this work into what we do. Um, We have had capital campaigns where we have taken... And literally gutted the gym at our school and made it a um, multi-purpose gymnasium, but also sensory integration, um, cut, cutting edge sensory integration um, site.
1: What would that look like? Like what is like what types of things do we see when it's cutting, cutting sure. edge integration for a
3: gymnasium rehab? So we have um, this metal structure that was built into the ceiling that can safely provide us um, with the ability to use many different kinds of swings, for example, um, for very specific therapeutic purposes. Um, We have rock climbing wall. We have zip lines. We have all kinds of sensor integration related equipment. And this is this is not only just equipment that you use in a playful way or could be used in a playful way, but also the occupational therapists are trained to do specific assessments with individuals to target which sensory systems might be challenged to be able to then offer different sorts of activities that we try to make as fun as possible to get that kind of input into the brain from a developmental perspective so that you can help to shape that nervous system in the way that it needs to be sort of like exercising, um your muscles in your body so that because we know that trauma impacts the brain and the body in these different kinds of ways. And so um, even experts in the area of trauma and attachment have been strongly advocating in recent years for, in a skillful way, <laughs> taking trauma work, attachment work and sensory integration as a huge part of it to um, not only help someone talk about their experiences in therapy in that way, but also to utilize these movement-based strategies. And over time, it's become more and more evidence-based, and there's more and more models that have come out related to this particular approach. And OTs and psychotherapists have been working together um, to try to continuously expand upon this. And this is why we say at Cutchins, we try to be as innovative as possible, Um, And we look at not only our therapies that we provide, and this isn't the only type of therapy we provide, but um, and also our therapeutic environments as well, we continue to try to work on them and shape them to be as holistic as possible. And so something like a pool might also be seen as... (laughs)
1: yeah a therapeutic <laughs> environment all right and I'm, we have to pause yeah. there because okay. we have to take another break okay. um but um i am excited to talk about the pool and uh the new location when we get back this is tara brewster you've been listening to the western mass business show i'm here today with now i have to say doctor Tina Champagne, I feel like you don't say that enough, or I just have She's like modest. completely blanked about it. But Dr. <laughs> Tina Champagne, humble, humble. CEO of Cutchins Programs for Children and Families, Jim Nash, City Council President in Northampton, and Paul Foster Moore, who is uh, the co chair of the board of directors and has a long history with Cutchins Programs for Children and Families. We'll be right back.
0: The Western Mass Business Show with Tara Brewster, WHMP.
1: Welcome back to the Western Mass Business Show. I'm Tara Brewster, and I'm joined today with my friends from Cutchins Programs for Children and Families, Dr. Tina Champagne, Jim Nash, President of the City Council in Northampton, and Paul Foster Moore, a co-chair of the Board of Directors of Cutchins. Can we talk about pools?
0: Well, I can I just say something th- real quick that... Cutchins is so lucky to have Dr. Tina Champagne. I mean, what you just heard in the previous segment is the the level of expertise that she brings to um, all of our programs, and it's a complete pleasure working with her, and to have such brilliance at the the top of the organization, it's it's really remarkable.
1: Well, and while we were off again... um, I don't feel like as a board member, you say Dr. Tina Champagne enough. So I'm going to start saying Dr. Tina Champagne, Dr. Tina, Dr. <laughs> Dr. <laughs> Tina. So thank you for that. Really. Now can we talk about pools? Yeah,
0: let's talk about <laughs> pools and how helpful they are because the new Belcher Town property that, that we're moving the Three Rivers uh, program into has an indoor swimming pool and cue Dr. Champagne on the value of a swimming pool.
3: Sure, so again, when it is something that's directed by a therapist who understands sensory integration, trauma and attachment, et cetera, um, swimming is one of the number one sensory integration strategies as long as it's done safely. And so when we saw that this property actually had this in ground pool, and it's small, we're a small program, I fell in love with it instantly. And we talked about it as a board and, um, and with the leadership of the programs and um, thought, wow, this is just a huge, huge opportunity. Mm-hmm. And at first I thought it was just a dream. And now there's also a um, an older horse barn on the property. And so if anybody who knows anything about therapeutic interventions, the therapeutic use of animals, such as the utilization of horse horses is again, another huge, huge, Um, way to get sensory integration um, as part of the programming. And so, again, you have to do these things in safe, safe ways. But that'll probably be our next capital campaign once we're moved and settled is to look at refurbishing this this barn and to have a small therapeutic riding um, type of program as well. And so Three Rivers is currently in Springfield. Mm -hmm. And is that
1: still going to exist in Springfield? or Are you going to close that property down? No, that'll be closed and we'll be
3: moving to belchertown fully and is that next year or 2024 uh should be in march we're hoping march or spring 2023 excellent that's on old huge project yeah (laughs) It's, it's a beautiful property
1: i mean and just you know to what you're talking about and and the way that um the program is and the things that you're doing for the children and the families in the area and beyond i mean it's such a great place To think about having therapy and Mm -hmm. taking
3: care of kids and and really like just doing the work. It's on five acres of land. There's room for therapeutic gardening, all kinds of different potential options there. Big dreams. Yes. Yeah. Coming to fruition. So
1: excited. I sent Tina a, a bottle of Old Bay. Spice. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Which she had never seen before. And my wow. dreams are maybe we have like a, some sort of Creole some boil crabs. or something for the grand opening. Um, Got to do it old day style. I think
2: you have to have it with champagne,
1: given Dr. Tina champagne kind of oh. behind oh, oh, yes. I like it. And Miller High Life.
0: <laughs> <laughs> champagne beers, <man>. <laughs> <laughs>
3: uh.
0: Party
1: is planned, my friend. Party (laughs) is planned.
0: Speaking of dreams, I have a dream of beating Paul in our road race, which is going to be next weekend.
2: Oh, you mean the superhero run? The superhero (laughs) run, (laughs) that's right. An annual fundraising
1: event this coming Sunday? October 2nd. That's right. On Commery Terrace, right at our location. Yep. Right in the neighborhood. It shouldn't be hard for Jim to
2: beat me because I'll probably be walking again this year. <laughs> and if he can't beat me at that speed.
1: <laughs> no.
0: Well, if I'm not volunteering, that is, and helping out. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> so so the run is this weekend. Um, it's on Sunday, October 2nd. And there is a 10K run, a 5K walk and run. And you can participate in person and virtually. Mm-hmm. Correct.
2: Yes. Yep. And we have, what, 70 to 80 uh, folks signed up thus far? I believe so. And the numbers are climbing.
0: Yeah. <laughs> they always <laughs> climb as we get towards yes. the a, start It's time. a really fun
3: community event for, for, again, children and families. And the whole community is invited to register and check it out. We'll have face painters and music. And um, it starts again on our grounds on Pomeroy Terrace. The run goes out through the neighborhood um and then it finishes back on the property again and um there'll be snacks and and different things um it, it's a really fun event people dress up so make sure you wear a mm-hmm. costume Yes, please mm-hmm. we uh, encourage you it's called the superhero run yeah mm-hmm. that's So the we theme. encourage the
1: superheroes to come capes. Yep. yeah lots of capes. Come out yep, from the, show the, and the bad yeah capes. exactly yes.
0: and it's also a really nice uh, route to run i it, it's running around the neighborhood's of Ward 3, and Ward 3, as the city council, oh, here we I got to go. plug it here. Here we go. But <laughs> Ward 3, it's got some of the beautiful old neighborhoods in our city, but also you get to run by the our, our historic fairgrounds. You're yep. running past farm fields, and, and and it finishes as you sprint down our dike <laughs> yes. towards the finish line. So it's yeah. it's a really beautiful run. Or walk. Or yes. walk.
1: Um, and families participate, <laughs> runners participate. Um, like we said, there's a 10k, it starts at 8:30. You can go to runreg.com and um, look up the information there. Just type in Superhero Run. you'll be able to find it. And the it's on our website there. as well.: yeah.
3: Yes, yeah. And as a nonprofit, we appreciate it because this is how we get some of our funding to help to provide some of these um, real cutting edge services to our kiddos.
1: Yep, and um, you know we also have some really great sponsors um, that are our partners in the community. Kiter Builders, Mm -hmm. who Scott has done some work um, on some properties. Former board member, former board member. Yep, champion Mm -hmm. of so many children's um, efforts. Bacon and Wilson, we love Dan. Dan McClellick. Um, he is a board member and uh, is an attorney at Bacon Wilson. And he said
0: something about maybe running the race in a suit.
1: So, <laughs> we'll so say. the last time I looked, he I've was never
0: seen him outside over, of a suit. He was over thousand dollars, yeah, and he yeah. said
1: <laughs> if he if he raised two, he would run in a suit. That's right. He still may
2: just.
0: So I think think I'm going to
1: divert all my fundraising to Dan.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I think that's a nice contrast to a lawsuit.
3: Yes.
1: (laughs) Um, Greenfield Savings Bank is a sponsor. Yay. Um, Yay for (laughs) DSB. Sally Deans and Kevin Lake, also a board member, sponsors. Mantis Graphics, who helped us with the shirts and the bags. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think it's great that we have bags. I mean, Mm -hmm. how many runs give away branded bags? Mm -hmm. I'm pretty excited about that. Western Mass, Heating, Cooling, and Plumbing, and also Hirsch, Roberts, and Wetstein. Nice.
3: So we have kind of a nice lineup. And, um, and several other vendors as well and uh, sponsors that are coming in daily. Yes. So thank you.
1: Please go to Run Reg and register. It's a really fun event and we'll, have, um, we'll also have Ed Poplarzik there, the Ooh. balloon man. Oh. So I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But anyway, we have to go. It's been fun. Thank you all for being on. Thank you. To um, and thank you. you to Greenfield Savings Bank again, um, who's a sponsor of this show. Uh, 153, I know from the event yesterday, it was one of the trivia questions. Years in the Valley, um, 10 branches throughout Franklin and Hampshire County, also Business West. Um, George O'Brien and his team, really fabulous in telling the news and telling it how it is um, and what we need to know about the region. Tina, Dr. Tina Champagne, Jim Nash. And Paul Foster Moore, Cutchins Programs for Children and Families. We have so, so much um, to thank you for. So thank you so much. And uh, thank you for listening.
0: Thank you. It's a pleasure being here.